And here we go. Welcome to the Morning Brew with Stu. As always, I'm your host, Stuart Brooking. Episode 101. We got a past episode 100. We are now in the first episode of Past That, and we will continue with our quarterback rankings, quarterbacks 16 through 13, a very interesting list of guys who are very similar kind of in, in where they're graded. But as always, let me introduce him before we get carried away here. The co-host of this series, of the quarterback series, shall I say, the guy helping me run through it for the second year in a row, the one, the only, Jeff Hunt. Hey, what's up, man? Um, we're, it's getting down to nitty gritty. We're in the playoff. We're to the playoffs right now. Like, you know, we're to the top 16 quarterbacks, you know, that, that this is starting to get interesting. They, every one of them is going to have pressure on them. Um, every one of them has expectations. Every one of them has a different standard that they have to meet this year. But they, they all have one thing in common is that they all should go to the playoffs. I agree. And I told you, Jeff, that I've said it multiple times. I said it last week. There are 14 top 10 quarterbacks. Well, we're going to get to the first two of those 14 <laughs> today and talk about those. But let's start off with quarterback number 16, the Tennessee Titans starting quarterback. I'm going to run through them real quick, and then we'll break okay. them down. Tennessee Titans starting quarterback Ryan Tannehill, number 15, the Indianapolis Colts new starting quarterback Matt Ryan, number 14, the Cleveland Browns starting quarterback, for at least 12, 12 to, you know, 11 games this year. Deshaun Watson and the Las Vegas Raiders starting quarterback, Derek Carr. Let's start off with Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, Jeff, I don't know if you remember, was my quarterback seven last year. I was yeah. high on Ryan Tannehill. I'm still high on Ryan Tannehill. And you should think, have been coming off of that season two years ago. I think what Tannehill brings is greater than what his issues were last year. Like, I, I think I, I don't get it. You know, like I watched his tape and I'm not sure why he made some of the decisions he made last year. I do think once Derrick Henry went down, he tried to play too much hero ball. I really do think he felt like I have to win now. I have to show. I think what he did was he heard a lot of people talk. People say quarterbacks don't listen. They don't listen. They hear everything. And I think he heard a lot of people talking about how he's a system guy and how without Derrick Henry, he doesn't succeed and all these kinds of things. And I think maybe he was out to prove a point. And at times he was really, there were times Jeff, where he was too aggressive and it was like, just take the, take the layups as you know, they like to say, just take the quick, you know, check down, let your running back go for five yards, six yards and live to play another down. Instead he was like, nah, man, I'm going to force this into that tight window and it falls incomplete or it gets intercepted. I, I, he's athletic as heck. He's underrated in his athletic ability. He's got a big arm. It doesn't get talked about enough. He's smart with the football. I just think too much of it last year was him trying to play hero ball instead of just playing the game that he knows how to play. Yeah, I think a lot of what you said is true. And I think another factor of it, when you say, you know, he had his rabbit ears on last year, I also think that a lot of it is be because of his physical talent. It, it's and I know this doesn't happen like literally, but in a sense is if you see what Josh Allen did and the rise of Josh Allen through a couple years. And I'm sure that like, let's say Tannehill as coaches, everything are like, this is the future. The future is 
using, you know, using your, your gifts to take the top off a of defense or, or to, or to put pressure on the defense. And I think they tried to do that, you know, when they brought Julio Jones in and, you know, what, what everything they thought was going to happen. I think the intention was to really, really stretch the defense out. And, but I agree with you is that they, they got caught up in that and didn't adjust to it. And it did feel like time after time, you know, he made the decision to go downfield when that's just, there, there's, you know, with you know four or five wide receivers on the field and, and running backs can catch the ball and stuff, you just don't need to do that. As to where we saw a guy like, you know, some of these guys that figure it out, you know, sometimes the best decision is just take your five yards and then push it the next time. So I totally agree on that. Um, I thought I really I I didn't think his offense would take a step up last year, but I thought his play might. It really got confusing with the Derrick Henry thing. I think that we're at the point to where there needs to be a Derrick Henry decision because you know I hate running backs, and they it, that does force the issue of the Tennessee Titans to where I think this is the year they're going to have to make a decision. Like, are we going to stick with this Derrick Henry plan that has not worked for a team since we, we don't even know the last time a running back carried a team? You know what I mean to the to the championship, or are we going to you know finally just you know, give in to the modern football world and let Tannehill take over and not worry as much because I think that really, really, really hurt him in that playoff game against Cincinnati is that they got crossed up on what they wanted to do. And I think they probably win that game if Derrick Henry isn't playing because then I think they have a plan. I think they let Tannehill go. And I think they had a team that could have could have won. But part of that's on Tannehill. He's got to be able to take that next step as a leader and be like, this is my team. This is what I'm doing. You know what I mean? And it's not – a running back can't – cannot be the focal point of a football team anymore. So, I just – it really affected the wires got crossed. But I do think that Tannehill is still in his, his physical prime and is a really good quarterback. I think you've probably got him about right. You know, I probably have him above Matt Ryan. You know, if I start the season and you ask me who, who I want as a quarterback, I'm probably going to take Tannehill just because of – youth and physical ability but um again i'm not i'm not not gonna have a street fight about it yeah yeah i mean that's what uh one of the guys in our group chat for off the ball network said too is that he would probably take matt ryan i said listen we're talking about quarterbacks 15 and 16 to me they're interchangeable if good if you if you want Tannehill, then you know honestly i'm there with you like i love matt ryan and i think matt ryan's vastly underrated for what he did last year and people, you know, dogging on too much, but I'm, this sounds weird considering I'm a Coles fan and how much I dislike the Tennessee Titans, but I am a, uh, I am a Ryan Tannehill guy. And you always have been. I will. He's one of the few guys I'm going to him and Kirk cousins and some others are some of the ones I'm willing to die on the Hill to defend. And here's the thing. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to that Cincinnati game and, you know, championship teams show you that they know how to win in multiple different ways. And when Derrick Henry went down, right. I I don't know about you, but I thought that's the end. The Titans are done. They're not going to make the, they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They're going to end the year. Not very good. What happened? Mike Vrabel found a way to, to make Devontae Foreman who hadn't been relevant in what, three years look like a feature back. He found a way with with the cast guys to, to make it work. And that's what championship caliber teams do. I mean, they were the number one seed. Let, like, let, yeah. It feels like me and you were talking as if Tannehill squeaked into the playoffs. Like, they were the number one seed. They were a really good team. And he blew it for them yep. from some decision-making 
on the interceptions he's threw in that Cincinnati game. Like they have a ticket to the Super Bowl defense, and he blew them. Yes, he blew it for them by making stupid decisions and throwing interceptions. Like I, I, I don't know any other way to say it. Like I think Derrick Henry, obviously, in that game was not effective. But I think had they won that game, you given them another week to come back off the injury, and they play Kansas City or they play Buffalo or whoever they play. Derrick Henry's effective, and all of a sudden your offense is going back to the way it was before Henry got hurt, and he blew it for him. That's yep. why he came down to sixteen to me. I, I'm totally not overreacting to two game to one game. It's a whole season worth of stuff. But when you look at the last season, like if I were to come out here and put him at seven again, or I put him at ten again right. after what we saw last year and what we saw in the playoffs, my credibility would have been out the window. Like yeah, he made. Yeah, he made no adjustments in that game. It's very frustrating. It it looks like it. They went after what they saw on video to take advantage of Cincinnati, and then wouldn't get out of it. I mean, Cincinnati was not a complicated defense at the end. They 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 got active in the secondary, especially their safeties, and it 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 bit Tannehill. And they just him and the coaching staff couldn't adjust to it. It was a very disappointing end of the season, but it did happen. Um, you know, uh, these other quarterbacks, like they, they probably figure out a way to like, okay, here's what I'm seeing now. I've got, I've got to rethink what I, what we've talked about for two weeks. He didn't maybe uh, the week off that they, they had the one by, I think that hurts them. Um, because you, oh, they just oh, oh, had a chance to overthink it and overanalyze and, and what, what he thought was going to be there just wasn't there. Um, you know, I put a lot of it on the coaching staff, but it's, it's all product of one, you know, outcome and that's Tannehill. So yeah, I, I agree with you on the, on the setback of Tannehill. I think let's put it this way. He's the, probably the first guy on this list, maybe golf again, that can take a, a jump that, you know, that if I, if you tell me at the end of the year, he's the sixth best quarterback, I think I, could believe that so i think he's got a, a huge ceiling as to where we talked last week like we had four guys that were like where well, they're kind of pushing the limits of how good you know they're going to be yeah. these guys like this is a guy that could that absolutely can win a super bowl well here's the thing with ryan Tannehill too he has new motivation they brought in a young buck they brought in a guy yes who, who a lot of people mel kuyper included said was the number one quarterback in this draft class like they brought in your competition. Granted, it's a third. Granted, it's a third round pick, so I wouldn't look too much into it. But that doesn't. That's nothing to sneeze at. That doesn't mean Ryan Tannehill can walk in and just be like, "This job's on on lockdown. I've got it." Like, especially with considering- the arm talent Malik Willis has. I don't think he's ready. But with the arm talent Malik Willis has and his ability to run, they can do in Tennessee what Buffalo did the first two seasons with Josh Allen and just have Malik Willis use his legs. You partner that up with Derrick Henry if Henry can stay healthy. And by God, I don't know if there's a team and if there's a defense in the league that wants to deal with the running threat of Malik Willis and Derrick Henry. So all I'm saying is Tannehill, I, he better come in with a new sense of motivation because if not, his job will be gone in a hurry. And Tannehill knows this better than anybody. That's what he did, right? He was yeah. a, he was a, he did it to he Mariota. Was a, he was a risk. He was a project. You know, he worked his way again as a Dolphins fan. I never wanted to lose Tannehill. This is the version that I always thought I would get of him. But, you know, it did it at another team. And he went right in and took the, the Titans job from another guy, you know, another high draft, you know, highly drafted guy that was supposed to be great. And now, now it's Tannehill's team. <laughs> so he knows as well as anybody, it, it's the blink of an eye. And you're on a, you know, you're playing somewhere else next year. 
100%. All right, quarterback number 15, Matt Ryan. And believe it or not, Jeff, this was 16 through 14 or 16 through 13 was actually done before Matt Ryan even signed the papers to be an Indianapolis Colt. So the Atlanta Falcon version of Matt Ryan was there. And so that side, most of this was done. The top 10 since then and, and kind of since we began, this list has done some moving. But 16 through 15 has stayed the same, or 16 through 13 has stayed the same. And Matt Ryan's quarterback 15 for me. Everyone told me, right, I said, I mentioned this with Carson Wentz. Everyone tells me how the numbers are, are they're not, you can't believe the numbers for Carson Wentz, right? The 27 and 7 is a, is a fake number and you can't believe it. Well, let me tell you this. You can't believe the numbers of Matt Ryan. He's not as bad as the 20 and 13 made him seem. Like, look, who was he throwing to? After Calvin Ridley got suspended, who was he throwing to? He was throwing to a guy who converted from receiver to running back and Kyle Pitts. Outside of that, you cannot name a guy who is a top 15, top 10, or upcoming young star like the Indianapolis Colts have in Michael Pittman. Like the Indianapolis Colts, spent a second-round draft pick on a guy like Alec Pierce. He has a guy now by the name of Frank Reich who is apparently really, really good at quarterback whispering. Hasn't done much with it since, but that's a different (laughs) topic for a different time. And you have a guy that you didn't even – I don't know if he's ever had a guy like this in his career by the name of Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. And you have a great offensive line and a great defense. So, for me, I think we're going to see a side of – Matt Ryan, where people are going to be like, wow, I guess Matt, I guess Matt still had it. And here's something else, Jeff. I'm going to tell you this. This is not my words. So nobody come at me and, and hate, hit me up for this. But the Indianapolis media, the same media that was here when we were winning Super Bowls and we were the winningest team in the decade. So they know what good football looks like. They said this is the best leadership quarterback we've had since Peyton Manning they said when they walked in they feel like Peyton's back in the building with how Matt Ryan holds people accountable how he holds the team accountable the coach the GM the running back the core everybody he holds them accountable and that's something I think the Colts missed last year with Carson Wentz yeah that's something I think this year they're going to take advantage of and it's going to benefit them because you're not going to have a guy who makes the stupid mistakes but is also a really really good leader and can take the Colts to the level that they should have been at last year. Yeah, I agree. I, I really like Matt Ryan. He's had a great career. The, my only, like, the biggest downside to Matt Ryan is the most obvious one. It's all physical. He was never the most, you know, physically gifted quarterback ever. He was good. And, you know, now he's an aging quarterback. But there's no so, deterioration, though. No, no, that's why I said he's the same, but he's, 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 um, that's why I said, but if you just want to like, that's, this is what starts separating some of these freaks. Like when mm-hmm. we start talking about the Justin Herberts and the Josh Allens, Matt Ryan just can't get to that level. But what I do love about him, I love he's every, like, it feels like almost every season with the Atlanta Falcons, like he had them competitive, like in each game, even if they were had terrible seasons like last year. Yeah. They were like, he still was a competitive. He knows how to play quarterback. He knows how to be coached, which I think is a great combination in Indianapolis. He's got, he's got all the tools that a quarterback would want. He has no excuses. You know, this is a team that, you know, is custom made, especially for a quarterback that, 
it's not it's not run and gun. Like if you can run a system, if you can make the smart plays, this benefits you as the Colts. And and Wentz honestly just couldn't do that last year as well as he needed to to take advantage of how Indianapolis is built. And so I think Matt Ryan can. So this is definitely a guy that I expect to be in the playoffs. I expect to be in the mix for, you know, going to a conference championship game. And um, I like everything about it. He seems healthy. He seems like his uh, wits are with him. Everybody seems to love him. I mean, he's just he's just a true pro. And I think that he could have a surprise, surprisingly good season. I don't, you know, the stats aren't going to probably aren't going to blow you away, but that's not what he's there for. He's there to he's there to win games and he's there to make, you know, those, those couple game winning drives, you know, that, that a team needs to get them over the hump. So I think it's a home run for Indianapolis. I think that, and this is another guy that if you tell me at the end of the year, he was the eighth best quarterback in the league. I could probably believe that. I think he can, I think he can edge his way up there for the last couple of years of his, what I consider will be the last couple of years of his like uh compet, you know, like peak, peak years like he's definitely on the tail end of those that doesn't mean he can't win when he's 40 it's just it, you got it, you got to do it a little different then even the great brady has proved that like you just got to do things a little different as you get older yeah i i agree i agree i'm gonna speak as a colts fan here for a minute i don't know if it's because i'm still kind of just like hardened from that last game of the year but i most of the time i'm getting my you know like dang all right we get a top 15 quarterback i'm getting my I'm starting to get, you know, pumped up a little bit, but like, I think I'm being cautiously optimistic this year because I, I, I was optimistic last year and I got heartbroken at the end and, uh-huh. and didn't want to speak to anybody for, for two weeks, but <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, I hear you. The dolphins did the, had the opposite season. They got, they got the terrible stuff out of the way early. And so wound up with a decent record, but were never actually competitive because they, <laughs> they lost so many games up front. So that that's, I, you know, I did it opposite. I don't know if it's any better, but um, yes, I do. I, I do like, I do like the position Matt Ryan's in. I think he, I think he's going to be very good. I'm, I'm happy to see. I really want to give this guy a chance to prove like, man, I'm, I'm a really, as far as we, we, we've talked about it for what, four or five weeks now, pre-snap quarterback. That's what's going to separate him is what's he recognized the, the adjustments. He's a guy that I don't think we just talked about Tannehill. You know, how did he lose that, you know, playoff game? I think Matt Ryan's a guy that's like, Whoa, we got to reel this in. This isn't working. This, uh, this doesn't look like we thought it did. We need a new game plan and then move forward. And in my yeah. mind, I know it sounds crazy. I still consider Matt Ryan a Super Bowl winning quarterback because I watched the game. I don't know what happened. I don't know how they lost it. But Matt Ryan played a terrific, you know, Super Bowl. So in my mind, he is like, I don't know. I guess he's got half a Super Bowl. Uh, he was a gr- really great playoff quarterback for several years. So I'm, I'm in on Matt Ryan. I don't I, – we need that, co- that coach or that quarterback, shall I say, that will keep Frank Reich in check because Frank Reich is a uh, is a detriment to himself. But that's a different conversation for a different time. Let's move <laughs> on. You have time to do those. To quarterback number fourteen, and this one, this one is tough, I guess, because you gotta you gotta step around some things. You gotta watch what you say, I guess, and you gotta kind of <laughs> take it with ease when you talk about this guy, but number 14, the Cleveland Browns starting quarterback at some point next season, Deshaun Watson. When I first made this list, Watson was at four. I don't 
I, I had Deshaun Watson's a top four talent in this league when he's when he's on the field and when he's playing. But the guy hasn't played football in a year and it's professional football. You can't just pick it up and be like, oh, nothing happened. Let's go play again. Like there's going to be some rust, especially if he gets suspended for six or eight games. You're you're out for six or eight games and then you got to come back and you got to get your wits within you when you're potentially in a playoff like race like there's that too. There's a lot of things going on with Deshaun. I, the off the field stuff speaks for itself. I, I don't have to comment on the off the field stuff. It's horrible. You know, if it's true more, it seems like more stuff's coming out all the time um, against Deshaun. If anything, we know that the guy's a weirdo. Um, every NFL player that has played has told you they've only had one or two masseuses their entire career, not 67 in the span of three months. So I mean, if anything, we know that he he is odd there. But <laughs> what he does on the field is second to none. I mean, the guy is he's up there with the Mahomes and the Allens and the Justin Herberts of the world. He's a top four guy. And for me, on the field, he reminds me a lot of Matthew Stafford in the sense of, you know, Stafford's good. Like this is this has been the narrative of Stafford for the decade that he spent in. Detroit was Stafford's good he's good but you know the Lions are never really good so like how good is Matthew Stafford and that's how it was with Deshaun Watson like granted he went to an AFC championship game but the final couple years Houston wasn't very good and it's like Deshaun's good but how good is he how good can he be like those types of things and you know I think given the right circumstances with Cleveland, I think he can show everybody how good he really is as a quarterback. Now there's some things he needs to work on. I can tell you this, I watched this guy in the, in the game versus the Colts multiple times. This guy who's supposed to be who I say is a top four guy bounce a post pattern off the ground multiple times in a clean pocket. So, I mean, there are some issues he's got throwing the football, but Jeff quarterback 14s, Jeff Hunt or not Jeff Hunt, uh, Deshaun Watson, what do you have to say about Deshaun Watson? Yeah, yeah, everything you said's right. Obviously, I've said this from the very beginning. I'll just get it out of the way on the Deshaun Watson situation. If any of it's true and it, and it you know goes the distance and it's found out, then he won't play, and that's that's a that's a thing, and I accept that. And I, and I, I always keep saying this. I don't ever want again. To, he won't play I, ever again. Yeah, and I've always said I've said this from the beginning. I'll say it one one more time. I don't want it to be true because I don't want it to have happened to somebody, not because I want Deshaun Watson yeah. to play football. That's why I don't want it to be true. I don't, it's not, a, it's not shame in any of the, the victims or, or accusers or any of that. I just don't want it to have happened to anybody. And if it did, he's out of the league and then we'll never talk, you know, I don't want to talk about him anymore, but as, as, as of now, it looks like he's, you know, going to play NFL football. He's one of the most talented, you know, quarterbacks in the league. Um, what you talk about, you know, his ceiling is through the roof. I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about a guy who's just scratched the surface of what he can do with a, you know, quarterback career, but you know, like you, I see there's some mechanical issues. He does a couple things that I don't like. He, he, uh, he'll, he'll fight to keep a play alive a little too long. And that's kind of something that like we see Baker Mayfield do, and it winds up an injury that, that, that's what always happens when, when you're so, when you're so talented and you're. It, you just you try a little hard you take these weird sacks and you take weird hits and you make a bad fumble or you or you twist an ankle like that that's you know that that's a uh, a nitpick you know on watson and then of course the rust is a huge one 
And then his mechanics aren't perfect. Like he's got an amazing arm. I think Stafford's a good comparison as far as like, you know, this guy shuffling his feet and then all of a sudden the ball's 60 yards downfield, little Aaron Rodgers, little Aaron Rodgers, yeah. little Stafford, as far as that, that, that release out of nowhere. I, I assume that he was a great baseball player. He plays like someone who played baseball because of the weird arm angles and stuff that he can still like get his feet set. So, you know, those are the nitpicks, obviously he's got a team. He's another, this is another guy on this list that like, if he plays for Cleveland, Cleveland has to go to the playoffs. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. They have a, you know, they have a, they have a great, you know, roster from top to bottom. They got a good enough defense. The rest of the division is okay. Like we think Cincinnati's good, but I don't know if Cincinnati took another step this year. I don't think they're any much better than they were last year. We have no idea what's going on with the Ravens, um, especially with the injury issues they had last year. And obviously Pittsburgh's taken a giant leap back from a couple of years ago. So Watson had, you know, the, the Browns have to go to the playoffs and Watson has every reason to finish you know, as one of the best quarterbacks in the league, you know, if, if, and when he gets on the field, it's, you're right. We haven't seen anything from him and, you know, almost, it's been almost two years since we've seen him play. So it is odd, you know, you know, the way we talk about, and if it goes the other way and he doesn't wind up playing, then me and you'll just move another quarterback up the list and it, it will be his fault, not ours. Yeah. 100%. Uh, I do. I do want to talk about Cleveland for a minute and kind of just like their quarterback situation. As a whole. Oh man, it's interesting. I made a tweet the other day because I saw where Cleveland signed Jacoby Brissett with the intent of Deshaun Watson being suspended. And that doesn't make any sense to me because oh, listen, I watched Jacoby Brissett play for two years. Actually, cool. I guess technically three years, whatever. I watched him play football for us. Yeah, me too. The guy's not going to, uh, to, be that guy to take you over the hump. Can he do it? I think he could do it for two or three games, but Watson's probably going to be suspended for six, probably going to be suspended for eight. Like that's, you know, around that area mm -hmm. is where you're looking at for him to get suspended. I don't know if I want to roll Jacoby Brissett out there for six or eight games. To me, this makes no sense. To me, there's something else there as to why they won't bring back Baker Mayfield why they won't be the ones who say, listen, because if I'm Cleveland, if I'm Cleveland, I'm calling Baker on the phone. I'm saying, let's have a meeting. And they're going to sit down. And I would say this. I would say, Baker, listen, Deshaun's going to be suspended for eight games or six games. This is what you want. You want to prove to me that you can play at the highest level. Then let's do it then not only are you proving to me, but you're proving to every other team in the league that's going to need a quarterback next year, the Panthers, Seattle, everyone else, that, you know what, you are, it was a fluke last year. You were just hurt. You are the guy you say you are. If I'm Cleveland, I'm enticing Baker to come back and, and put his money where his mouth is. Because then I can say, well, listen, I offered him, the guy I'm going to come back, that's on him, where this makes no sense to me as to why they don't go to Baker. Like, I understand nobody wants to swallow their words and say, I'm sorry at times, you know, or admit you were wrong in situations like this. But if I'm Cleveland and I'm, I'm looking at, it, I'm saying, I got to roll Jacoby Brissett out there for six games. Like I have a good running game. I have a good defense, but Jacoby's the type of guy to mess that can mess it up for you. If you're yeah. not careful, like, I don't know, Jeff. I don't get this because to me, I'm I'm on the phone with Baker and being like, listen, Baker, at, at your peak, 
you're a top 12 quarterback in this league and you were hurt last year. You think you're a top 10, top 12 guy. You want to be paid like it. This is your opportunity. But I mean, for me, I don't understand why Cleveland isn't doing what's best for them to win. And this is why I don't like teams that lie to you because if they tell you we are doing what we can, everything in our power to win. And then they say, we signed Jacoby Brissett because we know our quarterback's going to be, we feel our quarterback's going to be suspended. Even though we have a guy who took us to the playoffs, they're lying to you. And they're not telling you, they don't confidently believe there's some, there's politics going on. They're not telling, it's not about winning at that point, because if it was Baker would be playing for them right now. Yeah. My, my, see, I, I come from the other side of it. I've been like this the whole time with Baker. I think both the Browns and Baker know exactly how good, how good he is. And I, I don't think it helps. This is what I believe. I'm not saying what they say, but I don't believe it helps either one of them by him playing because I think if he plays, especially in the last year of a contract, if he plays bad, he it's the, now now the the speculation, all that's gone. Like we just saw Deshaun Watson not play for a year, not play football for a year, and have all this going on and still got the benefit of the doubt and got one of the biggest contracts ever. So if I'm Baker, I'm like, my best thing is to not play. And then I have the, the, the injury excuse from the Browns. I'm like, this guy goes out there and stinks up the joint. We now we've just lost. I don't know, maybe a second round draft. But he pick. can't be any worse than, than Jacoby Brissett. I, I, I don't, be. I don't argue that, but I, it's the risk reward thing. No, I don't think, I think he'd be fine. My my theory is I, I would tell Baker, hey, we're paying you. Go out and do your job. I don't want to I don't I don't know hear the crying anymore. Like we you've got a contract, go play. And if you know, then we'll figure it out later. But I think on the other side of it is there's there's so much risk for both sides if he's not good. And I don't think I don't think that Baker can go out and play like the quarterback that he once played like that he wants paid like I really don't think he can that's just my opinion of him so that's where I think the breakdown is if that Baker Baker can make more money by you know doing all the the talking and everything doing the podcast and stuff and not actually getting on the field and I think Cleveland you know because somebody's going to get hurt training camp's going to start people are going to start getting hurt NFL you know the preseason games are going to start somebody's going to get be getting hurt and Baker's going to be the first one to, to get traded. And then now the Browns have a commodity. So that's just my opinion, which it also falls in line with you. This is a business thing. It has nothing to do about the betterment of the team. Neither one, the Browns nor Baker are worried about how good the Browns are next year. They're more worried about what can we get, you know, what, what can we get? So that I, 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 I stand by that. Now I do think if Brissett starts those games, I think the Browns are really risking any chance at going to the playoffs. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, at the end of the day, Jeff, like, I don't know, like, make a trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, like something like, well, if I don't I'm, know if teams, I don't know if teams are beating down their door, obviously, but no, I'm talking about, I'm talking about Cleveland. Like, if yeah, you don't I mean. want Baker on your team, then you call Jimmy G and say, listen, I'll give you a third round pick for Jimmy. Or I'll give you a fourth round pick for Jimmy because we're probably going to get a second or a third for Baker. Like if I had to guess what you would get for Baker, it'd probably be a second round pick or a third round pick. Right. And you could probably make that up for what you're giving up for Jimmy Garoppolo. And then you're not rolling Jacoby Brissett out there and you actually <laughs> have fair. a shot to win, but I don't know. Quarterback I, think they're, th I think they're banking that Watson's going to play. 
Well, and they, I don't, and I think that it's starting to look worse for him. But I really think they gambled that it was going to be okay. I mean, I think he'll play. I think he'll play 12, 11 games, but I don't know if he's going to play seven. He's not going to play 17. I can no, tell you right no now on my podcast, mark my words, he will not play. There's no way he plays games. a full season. No, I agree. So, quarterback number 13, and this one is an interesting one because some people have him as their 10th best quarterback. But to me, he is the third 10th best quarterback in the league because <laughs> I said they're – or 14, he's at 13, and to me, it's Derek Carr. And let me start by saying this before I start to, I guess, what people would call tear down Baker or Derek Carr. Here's the thing with Derek Carr. He's got great arm, great leadership ability, nice guy, makes all the throws, and showed you last year he can carry a team to to an extent, and that's where I'm going to – elaborate on here in a minute to an extent when guys like Henry Ruggs disappears and you have nobody to really throw to and all this kind of stuff. That's what everyone harps on. Everyone harps on the, look what he did when Henry Ruggs left. That's, that's great. All right. Now let's get into the negatives or at least what I see with Derek Carr. And it's, we are so caught up in what Derek Carr did last year that, you know, how do I say this? Like, okay, I mean, Derek Carr is the guy, besides maybe like Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr is the only guy in the league that does nothing as far as accomplishments and gets (laughs) praise. People pat Derek Carr on the back. He got paid $130 million, and he has done nothing since 2017 that has told you this guy can carry your team to a Super Bowl. I'm not talking about being eight and seven with one game to go and you potentially get in the playoffs. I don't care about that. What I care about is when you're paying a guy $130 million, like the Las Vegas Raiders are paying him, can you win a Super Bowl? And right now, the best he's got you is we're going to fight for a playoff position, I guess, type thing. And people are going to be like, well, look at the talent he had last year. What was your excuse two years ago or three years ago? Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? When he had the talent, what was your excuse then? Like, we want to harp on Carson Wentz. He hasn't been he hasn't been the same quarterback since 2017. Derek Carr hasn't been the same quarterback since 2016 when he won the MVP and got hurt. So, I mean, but we pat Derek Carr on the back. We give him his flowers, all the stuff. And it's much deserved. He's the 13th best quarterback in the league. That's right. something. That's not nothing to just, like, scoff at, like, that means he's a really good quarterback, but I mean, come on, we're we're praising a guy and paying a guy 130 million dollars that has done nothing in the league, and he's had opportunities, and he's had talent, and he's had a head coach in John Gruden, who before all the off the field stuff was looked at as a offensive genius, and the offense at time looked stagnant because of their quarterback play. Yeah, I mean that's the thing about Carr. You know, he, he checks a lot of boxes, like you said. And then, but when you start looking into it, you're like, okay, then, but, but where's the production? I, I, you know, Cousins, you know, is, is the exact same way. And you're like, okay, you, you keep checking these boxes and you look great and you'll have a game to where, yeah, it's, it's raw, raw. You make some great throws. Uh, you know, it, maybe you have a game winning touchdown or whatever. The one thing he does, and I, I don't, I'm not, I don't go 
back and dissect as much film as you know i would like to because you know i just I, at some point i gotta take a break but this is a this guy like you say at a basketball game like he just kind of disappears in some of these games like he'll he'll just have a series to where it, it he doesn't get the completion he doesn't he just doesn't get the big first down and then they're just right back off the field and he'll do a couple of those and you're like you know he just he just looks pedestrian and then you know he then he'll come back out and he, he gets it back, but he just, he wastes a lot of drives and, and misses a lot of in. And again, we've got him at 13. I don't argue with that. He's a really good quarterback, but now I do agree with one thing. First of all, I know that this is about like, if all these guys are interchangeable, who's the best, but as far as this season coming up, like Derek Carr has a tough road. That's a tough division. You know, the AFC is not getting easier. It's a strong conference right now. This is a guy that I think, Again, all these guys should be going to the playoffs, but I can't sit here and tell you that the Raiders, like any, if making the playoffs would be a huge success. But then if I'm saying that, how good do I really think he is? Because I wouldn't say that about Mahomes or, or any of the, you know, the top guys that we'll talk about. Uh, Carr's an interesting one. It seems like he's a, seems like, I think he talks a better game than he actually pulls off in the clubhouse. You know, I know how much he tells us he's a leader. I know the great speeches and I know all this but I don't necessarily always see it translate onto the field. I think he's a bit of a, a, a more of a raw, raw guy than a actually understand the X's and O's of the game type of guy. Here's That's the thing with Brady. Like, so let's like a guy like Tom Brady sees the game. I mean, honestly, I think he may see the game of football better as, as well as anybody that's ever, you know, been a part of organized football, but he doesn't, he kind of comes off as a bit of a a-hole, you know what I mean? Which is totally fine. He's not constantly like, you know, teammates love him, but he's not constantly like, you know, he, he, he's, he's annoying. You know, Carr is the opposite. Carr is like just the, you know, poster boy of like how you're supposed to lead a football team that we always say a lot of these guys don't. But I don't know if he sees the game as well as he needs to to be a great quarterback. Here's the question I have, Jeff. And, you know, I usually don't do this or, or I, I, don't do this when I evaluate my quarterbacks. But when I when I sit down, I was preparing for the show and I was just thinking about Derek Carr and what I kind of wanted to talk about with Derek Carr. It's this year better be the year that he lights it up because mm -hmm. you have Devontae Adams. You have a top five, top six tight end in Darren Waller. You have a running back in Josh Jacobs that everybody believes in. And oh yeah, by the way, guess what? You have Josh McDaniels who everybody tells me mm. is this great offensive coordinator. So here's the thing. And they paid you $130 million to be that guy. To be that guy. I don't know if Derek Carr takes advantage of having Devontae Adams. I, I'm not sure. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I hope so. But I'm not sure adding Devontae Adams to this offense takes them from a eight and seven football team that's or whatever it is like nine and eight football team that's fighting for a shot to get in the playoffs like i mean i i just don't get paying a guy we're we're gonna Derek carr is gonna be in the, the raiders are gonna be in the same boat that the vikings are in with kirk cousins and the 49ers are in with Jimmy Garoppolo is they have this guy that is really good and can do some good things for you, but isn't getting you where you thought he would get you. 
lesser quarterbacks have gotten you farther in Minnesota's case, talking about Case Keenum, and yet you're paying this guy a lot of money, and here's an opportunity for you to draft a young guy, but you can't do it because you've been told this guy's the guy and you paid him 130 yeah. million dollars. I don't know. I I don't want to like hate on Derek Carr. The guy's the 13th ranked quarterback on my rankings. But for me, I'm just I don't see what everybody else sees as this like godsend to the Las Vegas Raiders that should be anointed and held up there with the Matthew Staffords and every, and everybody of the world that everyone tells me he is because of how well he played last year and took a team to 9 and 8. <laughs> Same thing he did the year before and two years before that. Guess who else was fighting for playoff spot? Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. So that I mean, you don't prove like you're that much better than than those guys by just fighting for playoff spots. I yeah, don't know. I, I I'm agree. just at the point where like people I'm not at the point where I was with Jameis Winston because Jameis's his hate or his hype was a little harsh, but I'm getting to the point where it's like, I mean, we can keep hyping on this guy, but at some point he you know, he's got to put the proof in the pudding. Yeah. I mean, think about last year, last year, Derek Carr, 23 and 14, 23 touchdowns in the NFL now is, is, is just fine. 14 interceptions is still a, a couple too many. If you're going to have 14 interceptions, you got to have at least 30 touchdowns. Yeah. Garoppolo last year, 20 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, and Garoppolo didn't even play every game. And he plays on a completely different offense. But we look at Garoppolo in general as like a game manager. And we look at Carr as some kind of gunslinger. There's not much difference, like outside of yards. The yards are different, but like, are they empty yards? You know, Derek Carr has a lot of empty calories. You have 4,800 yards and 23 touchdowns. There's something not clicking there. You know what I mean? That means you're, you're getting a, you're, you're a lot of your yards are between, you know, field goal range. And yards don't are, mean, I, I say this all the time, Jeff, yeah. when I talk about quarterbacks, because everyone tried to tell me a few years ago when Dak Prescott led the league in passing, it's been probably four or five years ago at this point that how good he was. And I was like, congratulations. He threw for 5,000 yards, but guess what? He had 23 touchdowns. Like everyone tried to tell me how great Teddy Bridgewater was and in free agency, they talked about him. Like he was Joe Montana. When he was going to his next team. The guy threw 14 touchdowns. Congratulations. He threw for 4,500 yards. I don't care about the 4,800 yards. You threw yeah. 20 touchdowns and 13 pit or 14 picks. Yeah. We can't just be like stats don't matter and then overlook it. Like you gotta look at the numbers because car, car, there is context within the numbers. You're right. Forty eight hundred yards and fourteen hundred. I agree. Carr has to have thirty touchdowns. Like he can't. He just has to have more production. If he's the he guy, has, everyone tells me he is. That's he's that's what I'm saying. Touchdowns. That's what I'm saying. If he's if he's gonna take the next step, like he's got to be able to cash in. Um, you know, because he doesn't play on this. Like this, he's not a game manager on some run-based team. Like this, this is a guy that the 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 weight's on his shoulders, and that's what I say about it. He just doesn't finish so many of these games, like time after time. Yeah, one hundred percent. I agree. I, I wasn't trying to turn it into a bash, Derek Carr. Says, no, that's why we talk but, these things out, man. But we I are mean, just, getting to the point where, like, we have to start to t- determining what separates a quarterback from 13 and what separates a quarterback yeah. from 10. And to me, that's what separates a quarterback from 13 and 10. So next up, we'll have quarterbacks 12, 11, 10, and nine. Ooh. We'll have a lot of good guys in that list. We'll crack the top 10 and we'll start looking ahead. to I, pre- the- I predict we have a long conversation about one of them next week. And I think he's going to, 
I, I think so. I think you want prediction? Gonna, or tell me who it is. I think Lamar Jackson's next week. Okay. I think. And I, I think we have to have a long conversation. I think that we're probably getting into Joe Burrow territory. Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow territory. Like we're starting to get into these, like, um, yeah, I, I think some of the, some of the young guns, some of the u- uber talented guys. Yeah. We're, we're starting to get there. Cause I know, like, we all know, like when we st- we get to like the top eight, like we pretty much like we're getting a nitty gritty about some legends, NFL legends. But, uh, I think next week is going to be some like th- this guy's super talented. Can he t- can he take a next step? You know how good is he? How good can he be? Conversations. Um, are we wrong about him? Conversations. Because I think uh, I think Jackson and Burrow are two guys that we assume we're going to go one way, but then I've got other I've got reasons to think that they may not. So I think there's going to be some interesting ones coming up. That's just my prediction. Well. We'll see if your prediction. And I want to tell everybody. Up. I won't know until like two hours before the show. So I, I, I have. No we'll idea. see if your prediction pays off because, you know, it could get interesting. We could be there. There might be some shockers. I don't know. We'll find out. But uh, before we end it, we're gonna do some more trivia, Jeff. Oh, there's your another favorite part of the up. show. Yeah. Oh, I love this. All right. Ooh, this is this is a good one. Which two teams, two teams, hold the record for the most Super Bowl losses? Oh, losses. Well, it has to be Minnesota, and it has to be. I th- think it's New England. You got one right. Denver? It's New England and Denver. New England and Denver? Yes. Oh, not Minnesota. No, not Minnesota. So they both lost five? I mean, they're... Minnesota's lost four. The two Giants losses for Tom Brady. There was the Bears loss in 85. Green Bay. There was the Packers loss. And then the Eagles loss. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I well, New England, I felt good about. I forget, I knew Den. Yeah, you're right. Denver makes sense because Peyton Manning had another one. Uh, Elway had three, I believe. And then and there, there was, was an, probably another one. There was a '70s against the Cowboys. Yeah. This one's too easy. I'm not doing that one. Um. And New England, I just want to be clear. New England's lost in, in 85 should count as two losses because that's the most lopsided football game <laughs> that maybe I've ever watched in my entire life. Bears loss. Oh, there's like as someone who actually remembers watching it at 10 years old, I was like, what is happening? I've never seen a t- I've never, never seen anything like this. I still remember it. All right, you ready? This will yeah. be the final one. Which manufacturing company manufactures the Vince Lombardi trophy? Oh my goodness. Um, oh I'll shoot. give you a hint. It's a rich company. It's it's up there with the Louis Vuittons of the world. What? The, uh, all the all the rich moms have one at, at some point, you know. They talk about it. Oh wow. Is it coach? 
No. It's not you already said Louis Vuitton. This is an interesting question. I don't have any idea. Um, got coach. Uh, oh, uh, who's the jeweler? What's the jewel? Tiffany's? Yep. Tiffany's. Yes. That was awesome. Pulled that out of my rear end. I wasn't sure you were going to get it. That's awesome. Pulled it off. But yeah, Tiffany and Company makes the Vince Lombardi trophy. I think you're asking about the footballs because I yeah, the football factor is here in Ohio. So I was like, oh, I've got him. But no, you didn't. <laughs> All right, Jeff, real quick, just pop, plug your show as always, plug your social media, plug what you got coming up. Tell us when Buckeye Remix is making a return, <laughs> all that good stuff. It's getting close. Actually, um, so, yeah, you can always find my stuff at Jeff Me Sports. I am on summer vacation. Not a lot of activity right now. Football season is getting ready to start, and I'll start doing some breakdowns and previews. The Buckeye Remix is coming soon. College football is right around the corner. There's a ton to talk about. And, then of course, go to Off the Ball Network you know, dot com and check out all of our guys over there and everything they're doing. But another special shout-out this week, uh, Check out, I'm going to be on Locked On Buckeyes this week. The show, I don't know when the show will come out, maybe next week with Jay Stevens. Stevens. And we are doing a the last 20 years Ohio State quarterback draft. Uh, me and Jay are going to draft against Ooh. each other. So that's a special event I'm doing this week. So, and Jay's a great guy. He has me on all the time. Locked On, you know, the Locked On Network is great to have me as a returning guest. So I want a, a special shout out to them this week. Go, go, go check that out. Go check out. You should go check it out anyway, because Jay is one of the best in the country. But uh, it's going to be a, a really, uh, it's going to be a really fun event that we're going to do. So that that's the biggest thing I have coming up. Well, Jeff, I'm looking forward to that one. When you two get on, you talk about Ohio State, it's, it's beautiful. It's a thing of magic. It's like me and you talking quarterbacks. It's a thing people pay to yeah, see. Yeah, you know, I just got to show you, man. A good host, man, makes a good show. You guys are two of the best. Well, Jeff, like I said, we're going to crack the top ten next week. We're going to start getting into uh, – It's going to start getting heated. The, the nitty-gritty, and we're going to start having conversations about some players. So, for those of you listening, have a good day, good night, good afternoon. Whatever it is, you have a good one, and we'll see you next week.